0: morning, it is the Matildas slay the Lionesses to end their 30-game unbeaten run, our second ever win over England. Welcome back to the official Liberty A-League podcast here on the Keep Up Audio Network. Campbell Johnson, your host for a brilliant morning for Matildas fans and Australian fans of football all over the country and the world. And I'm joined today by Grace Gill in studio and Kath Canooley from the western suburbs of Sydney. How are we guys?
1: Very well, thanks Cam. How
2: good is it to wake up with a win? Oh,
0: it, it is the best, especially if you have to wake up at 4.45 or at 2 a.m. in the case of Grace Gill on the call. I mean, how good was it to be part of that history as a, in fact, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, I definitely made the early start. All worth it. Um, but to watch the Matildas run out against, uh, you know, one of the best teams in the world in England in the Lionesses, it was an incredible moment, and it was a well-deserved result. The way they approached the game, um, they they held out really strongly against a world-class side, and they made the most of their opportunities on the counter attack and. Here we are.
0: So Kath, Grace is here in full makeup was was on call for it. Slightly different scenario for yourself watching the game, but how did you feel as a as a fan watching it on the couch at home with the little ones?
2: Oh, look, it's it's amazing, you know. I just love, you know, watching football and it's normal for me to get up at that that time of the morning. I love watching, you know, the EPL and getting up for games, but to do it now with my kids, I had Matteo, the two month old and, and Alessio, who's three years old, who woke up at, at six a.m., which normally is supposed to go back to bed, but snuggled in on the couch with me and, and watched the game, which for me is just a it's a beautiful moment. And, you know, I sat there for about five minutes in, in awe of him, especially the older one, Alessio, and explaining to him, you know, about the Matildas and the history and, you know, how, how Mama used to play for them and trying to explain to him because come walk up and when I do take the boys to the game, I want them to really feel that connection and you know really remember this moment because the world cup's going to be something special for for all kids of this generation but look the girls were fantastic this morning i thought they executed the game plan perfectly and the energy the the fight you know they really showed that never say die spirit that the matildas are all about
0: yeah they certainly did and i might have to pick up a uh, what size 4 5 for uh in the matildas jersey This morning for real. It's it's ordered. ordered. (laughs) It's (laughs) on its way.
2: I've been complaining about kids' kits to the FA and night for such a long time now. Finally, they've come out, you know. So I was actually telling Annie Meeks yesterday because I seen um, cute little Harley in in Meeks's jersey. I'm like, Annie Meeks, don't forget to get one for Alessio as well.
0: (laughs) So it'll be on its way. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Plenty of things to dissect from not only this game against England, but also the game against Scotland and very two or two very different kind of sides of the coin and a different feeling after each game. Let's have a look at this England game first, Grace. I mean, a great result. Courtney Vine off the bench. Um, there's a little bit of injury concern there as well, um, as well as Tamiki Yallop. What did you kind of see there? And how might that affect the finals this weekend in the Liberty A-League?
1: Yeah, that was a, a real point of concern coming out of this game. So, result aside, we saw Tamika Yallop go down uh, with an ankle injury. Um, we saw in slow-motion replay that the ball had sort of pulled her toe back and she was in some distress, which was really, really unsettling to see, knowing she's had a lot of really bad ankle problems over the years. Uh, and Courtney Vine came on for her and then had to also be subbed off late in the game, what looked to be um, a calf strain, Um uh, um and that you know w- would be awful for Courtney awful for the Matildas but of course we want to see her lining up this weekend for Sydney FC as part of the A League women's semi-finals so we we're hoping that's nothing too serious but they were sort of yeah the two real points of concern across this match Kath
0: uh, from a Sydney FC perspective do you worry about that or should do you reckon it might be all right
2: 100% you know Ante would be watching that game thinking you know what's going on you know having to prepare for his team for this weekend I'm sure as soon as he's seen that there would have been a text straight away to Courtney Vine to get an update on you know how bad it is and and how the medical staff have assessed it because from now to when she does land back in in Australia will be key to whether she does take the field it just goes to show you know after two big matches you know she played big minutes in the first game and sometimes it's unfortunate that you know injuries like that do happen and you know in this case it's going to be Sydney FC that's going to suffer.
0: Ante might be uh, pulling out his metaphorical hair after, after seeing that one. I mean, stay. let's stay on Courtney Vine. Her and Ellie Carpenter in the first game particularly down that right-hand side, I think it was described as a decade of dynamism waiting, which I just love from Harps. And there were some brilliant comments by you as well, Grace, on that. I mean, great to see Carpenter back in the lineup. It's something that Matilda's fans have been wanting for so long. And obviously, she's back from injury. And that connection with Courtney Vine, two dynamic athletes. I mean, how good
1: like an unstoppable force down that right-hand side and just the speed between the two of them. Coming up against that as an opponent um, is such a threat and they're such an asset for the Matildas. It's wonderful to see Carpenter back in the squad, uh, playing 90 minutes and kind of looking like she hasn't missed a beat, really. And then to be able to connect with players like Courtney Vine, who has more recently come into the Matildas fold since Ellie Carpenter's been out. And for those two to have what seems like a, a fairly seamless connection from the get-go is excellent. And we know that both Courtney Vine and Hayley Russo can interchange, switch up either side, which we saw them do on a couple of occasions today as well. But another one I do want to mention um, is Charlie Grant, just because I thought she was excellent uh, at the left-back position, having played in the right-back position for, for Ellie Carpenter for some time. But I think she's doing more than enough to secure a spot in the starting side. And as I said on the coverage this morning, I don't know at the expense of who, because you've got, obviously, Ellie Carpenter, Steph Catley on the left, and... I don't know where Charlie Grant fits into that, but I think she has to.
0: Well, that's something I like about this Matilda squad at the moment. We're seeing versatility, especially in the defence. You know, Charlie Grant was playing right back, and then Catley was left back in the Cup of Nations for the most part. And Charlie Grant, we were singing her praises the entire time, but we always thought this moment might come where she has to slot either to left back or we might see Catley shift inside. Kath, putting your coach's hat on, how do you kind of see that playing out? Do you change formation to get your best players on the pitch or... Do you is it one where one of them has to miss out potentially?
2: I think it's it's a really, really tough one, right? Then the day you need to put all your best players on the pitch, okay? But you know, formation-wise, you still gotta play what actually suits your team as well. I think there's a couple of things that he'll have to look at. But for me, I think the most important thing is is that we have competition for places now. So it doesn't allow players to get complacent. So even though we we can he- sit here and you know debate about who should start and who shouldn't, for me the most important piece to this puzzle is that players can't get complacent. You know we talk about the likes of Alana Kennedy as well. Now she has to earn her spot back into that into that squad. You know, and Alana Kennedy, fantastic player, so much experience, but to be competitive and t- to be the best in the world you have to have competition for spots within the team because no matter what, the the we're humans and we're just gonna get complacent. It just happens. But if you've got that that competition, if you've got players that that want your spot, that's how you that's how you breed that, you know, that sort of never say die and girls are just fighting for it. And that's what the other nations, especially the USA, and that's why they've ridden on a lot of this success for such a long time, is because One player comes out, the next player comes in to take that spot. And we've seen that over the last couple of months, you know, um, Charlie Grant, Courtney Vine, Maka or Mackenzie Arnold. You know, there's girls that have come in and slotted in Claire Hunt as well. So I think that for me is the most, um, you know, sufficient part of what we've seen across the last couple of months
0: I was just about to say Claire Hunt is case in point of that and I was at the 100 days to the Women's World Cup event yesterday and was chatting to Sarah Walsh obviously former Matilda former Sydney FC player former teammate of yours Kath as well and that's exactly what she said as well she said we need the A-League to have players ready to step up and push those players overseas the ones who are in um, the women's Super League, push them and all the way to the line, and we're seeing that. And it's something that I wanted to bring up. Obviously, Alana Kennedy wasn't available in this squad, was brought out. Um, do you see her getting back into this team, Grace, or is there a lot of fighting with that Claire Hunt really solidifying that position, especially in today's game?
1: Yeah, it is an excellent question. Um, I don't necessarily have the, the answer immediately. I think Alana Kennedy obviously what she can offer in the way of her experience but her fitness has a real question mark over it at the moment she's not playing with Man City either due to a couple of little injuries and knocks along the way and now not only we've got Claire Hunt but we've got Ivy Lewick who was brought out of retirement to be in the squad who obviously didn't feature at all in this window and then we've got the formidable Claire Polkinghorn who just seems to never age a day. And then now we're talking about more numbers at the back in the way of Ellie Carpenter, Charlie Grant, and if for any reason those plays are moved around in a formational sense, then that will be really hard to have an excess of centre-halves sitting on the bench when you've got players who are more versatile and adaptable to change to whether it's a five at the back or a three at the back or wherever the case may be. So I don't have a clear answer yet, but it's going to be a, a really tough run home for Alana to – Get back into the squad, and then certainly to try and put a hand up for the starting uh, starting eleven.
0: It's a really tough one, and it, it, it's one where only Tony Gustafsson and his staff will know. But, Kath, from your perspective, you're someone who's very close to Claire Hunt. She obviously got an assist in the uh, previous window for the Cup of Nations. She was one of the best players in the com- in the um, in the tournament. You picked her as one of your top performers against Spain, or your top performer, in fact. She pretty much got an assist here kind of helped out a little bit by the England defense in this game with a nice ball over the top. How do you see her place in this side?
2: I think she's definitely earned herself a spot in the side. Whether it's a starting spot or off coming off the bench or, you know, being that, you know, um sort of cover for for Alana and Polk's. She's definitely earned that spot. And again, you know, for me, it's about seeing these players that are playing in our Liberty A-League that allowed that once you get that opportunity and you get put into that environment, it's up to the player whether they want to sink or swim, you know. And I think Claire Hunt has really swam and swam plenty of metres in in the last few games that she's played for the Matildas. And, you know, even though there's obviously a lot of parts to her game that she needs to improve on, you know, she's only a few games in with the Matildas. and, And the more you play, the more, you know, games you get under your belt, the better you're going to get. It, it just it takes time, right? And, you know, I've seen today, especially against England, and you could see Polk's, the way she's mentoring her, the way she's talking to her, the way she's guiding her around the pitch. And I've seen Claire do that to younger players at the Western Sydney Wanderers, and now Claire Polkinghorn is doing that to her. And for me, I just think it's just fantastic that she's been able to slot into that position but also be able to step up. and And I know for her, Every game is a learning curve. She'll be going after the game, sitting down with coaches and saying, Where can I improve? What can I do better? And, you know, if I know her well enough, she still wouldn't be happy with those last couple of performances. I know she'd want to still do better.
0: And there's plenty of people uh, online and around these conversations talking about not only Claire Hunt, Courtney Vine, who's had options to go overseas, turned them down in the past. Do we see Claire Hunt potentially as the next cap off the rank to head towards? England, Europe, do we see any landing spots for it? potentially especially off the back of a performance against England where there will be a lot of eyeballs on it?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think um, there are a few whispers already that she – maybe have uh, has offers coming through from Scandinavia so I wouldn't be surprised if pretty quickly after this window closes we hear about what happens with Claire Hunt next and obviously the last Western Sydney Wanderers game um, in the A-League she was unavailable for so it sort of suggests that maybe something was uh, happening or in motion at that point in time then so I guess it's we're speculating but it's a bit of a wait and see at this point in time.
0: We certainly will and I'm sure Kath Canooley will be uh, on the horn to her <laughs> in a moment about that won't ask you about that Kath don't worry um I thought Charlie Grant in this game I mean we were singing her praises before I thought she struggled a little bit though defensively at times um what did you guys think of that do you think she maybe struggled was beat a few times some good balls being put in uh by Lauren Hemp in particular on that right hand side of the England attack did you see anything there Kath
2: potentially of course look it's it's tough you know you're coming up against a a really really tough opposition right and for Charlie Grant she's still young in her career and you know, she's she's starting to cement a spot, like um, Grace said earlier, she can play on the right, she can play on the left. And I, I think she's been fantastic. I think she's really growing into that position. But again, you're coming up against quality opposition. These girls are world-class players. They, you know, are playing at the top of their game week in, week out. And, you know, for Charlie, it's just a matter of getting more games, playing against that stronger opposition. And you know, sometimes as well, I think players get a little bit overwhelmed in, in terms of, oh, my God, we're coming up against England. How do I feel, you know? And they're little things that, that also play on your mind. And I think, you know, obviously after she scored that goal, she actually grew in a bit of confidence as well where she wanted to sort of get forward a bit more and she wanted to sort of, you know, um, really mark her spot. But I think overall, Charlie was fantastic. But, yeah, look, at, at times there was some moments for her. But, again, you know, Credit to her and, and the amount of games that she's played that she can now
1: really cement a spot in this team. I think there was really only once or twice that I recall her getting beaten and that was when Lauren Hemp was still on because she is rapid and I think she Hemp had uh, Grant's number uh, for speed and, and had figured that out but then she went off shortly after and I think from that point on Grant was – pretty solid in my eyes and I thought I thought defensively the whole back four were really sound and on very, very few occasions did they get beat 1v1. Um, both Claire's in the middle came up with some key interventions and I thought that both Carpenter and Grant on either flank were, yeah, more or less um, – impenetrable. And also then as the game wore on and the Matildas got a little bit more possession, we saw Grant further and further up the field, which ultimately is what led to her goal and getting on the end of that fantastic cross.
0: Yeah, she did play a good game in the end and has been really standout over the past six months from the Matildas. Um, a few more things I want to chat about with this particular game a- and over the last few months. Mackenzie Arnold, I mean, she's been really good in net for the Matildas and consistent um, consistently in the side over the past four five six games do we think she's starting to cement her place especially with the form of Lydia Williams in um, the Women's Super League with Brighton not going that great Um, obviously Mackenzie Arnold's at West Ham Grace how do you kind of see that and the number one position
1: yeah I think she's doing more than enough to cement that number one position and it's um quite a, a turnaround from how we saw the the top three goalkeepers in this country because we knew there was a bit of an arm wrestle between Lydia Williams and Tegan Micah. Obviously, Tegan Micah has then been gradually coming back from a long-term concussion but understand she's now back into to training and soon to be playing too but hasn't had minutes in months and months now. Lydia has started to get a few more minutes at Brighton but she's not starting every single week. So there's still some – There's still a gap there for for both of those players. Mackenzie, on the other hand, not only with national team is she playing and playing well, she is playing every single game at West Ham and they may not be getting the results but she is facing so many reps week in, week out. And performances like today when she was called into action, she stood up really big for the Matildas. She made some key saves. Uh, She's got a great stature, a great height about her. And these kind of performances will just see her grow and grow in confidence. And I think the most telling part of that was in today's game when The ball was played through and she did a cheeky step over to let it roll out as opposed to just getting a leg through it and kicking it out. That shows a goalkeeper who is confident and confident in their ability. So I think yeah, I think she's doing the most.
0: Kath, who gets the number one jersey for you come July?
1: Mac has
2: been fantastic. You know, I'm just so proud of her. I've seen her be in and around this group for a very, very long time and I think for a long time she was just happy just to be the backup keeper and just sort of plot along and just be part of the squad because she's got some really good mates in that team as well and she sort of just kicked along, right? But she's been fantastic. She's been given this opportunity. She's taken it with both hands. She's been great. She's grown within the game as well. So, again, like Grace just mentioned, that that little cheeky step over and that little smirk at the end and just shows the confidence and, you know, it's it's a real credit to, to Mackenzie. She's been fantastic. She's been playing some good minutes over in WSL. She's been, you know, consistent over there. She's been consistent for us. It's a big headache for for Tony Gustafsson, to be honest. But at this point, seeing him start her in the last two games, for me, shows that he's looking at her to be his number one pick come, come their next game.
0: I'd have to agree. I'd have to agree. And and before we got on air today, one of the big things we were talking about, Sam Kerr back in the starting lineup. What a difference she makes, Grace. The confidence throughout the team.
1: Genuine game changer without even needing to be subbed on. Just her presence on the field. Um, she dictates when the team presses. She dictates when the team sits back. And we saw that interchange today because there, there were. Uh, patches or phases throughout the game where the Matildas did start their their block a little bit higher and then there were phases in the game when Sam Kerr was the top of that block and she was well and truly in her defensive half and I think it's I think it's her presence, I think it's um, the intimidation factor as well because Leah Williamson is a world-class defender and that ball over the top from Claire Hunt any other day may have been dealt with really comfortably but Sam Kerr was bearing down on her back, putting great pressure on her and I think it's uh, that, that pressure that Sam applies that can really rattle a defensive line and that felt to me that's exactly what happened today
0: it's exactly what we needed from Sam Kerr right Kat
2: 100% Sammy is just an absolute freak honestly she is just you know the heart and soul of that team and even though it was a fantastic you know team performance from all the girls today I think Sammy just really led that line really really well and I think You know, I think for the girls as well, having Sammy on the pitch just gives them that sense of lift and that security. And she just plays such a big part. And again, playing against England, you know, Sammy's playing against those girls week in, week out. And, you know, I think every defender absolutely shits themselves when Sam Kerr is on on the pitch because you don't know what she's going to do. Is she going to come short? Is she going to go long? Is she going to bloody smash you in a tackle? You know, so you could see... And that's one word to describe England this morning, rattled. They could not deal with the Matildas, the way they set up, the way they, they handled themselves. I thought they were just absolutely rattled. They, they didn't have any answers. And you know what? Who cares? We've got to do what we need to do to win. We had 30% possession, but at the end of the day, possession doesn't win your game. So, yeah, look, credit to the girls. I think it was, it was a well-executed um, win. And, Grace,
0: do you think there's anything we learnt from the Scotland game that was applied in this one against England or is there anything that happened in the Scotland game that we need to or the girls need to take on moving forward?
1: Yeah, well, I think we saw a couple of things just casting my mind back to the start in 11 uh, for Scotland. So Mary Fowler came back into the side for the first time since uh, the game against Czechia in the Cup of Nations and hasn't played many minutes with the Matildas, but I thought over this two-game series, I thought she was really, really tidy, really good technician. We've known that about Mary Fowler, but I think it was a really wonderful opportunity for her to, I guess, remind Tony Gustafson and everyone else what kind of player she is. And I think she she did that today as well against England. And as well, we saw a bit of experimentation with Larissa Crummer um, starting at the nine position against Scotland. And when, when you think about Crummer's role in the Matildas, she's been deployed as a fullback, she's been deployed as a winger, but we haven't actually seen her spend much time as a number nine for the Matildas. So I think for her, it was a good test. I think for Toni Gustafsson, it was a good test to see what she can do, what she can produce. We know she's a hard runner. Um, But I think then in contrast of today and what we saw from Sam Kerr, there are very, very different, type of number nine so i think there's definitely things we learnt across these series and who works best in what positions and certainly uh to my mind and to many others i'm sure sam kerr is that is that number nine
0: Yeah, the puzzle pieces are certainly coming together and in a crucial time um uh, kath anything that you saw against scotland or anything that we've learned from scotland to england what we can take out
2: i think the girls were really timid against scotland i didn't think they had the aggression and they weren't as assertive as they were today and i think you know, that was a bit of a... I think they were, went into that Scotland game thinking that they were going to win. It was going to be an easy win. And, you know, unfortunately now these days, no international game is an easy win anymore. You've got to really give it everything you've got, right? And, you know, against England, much, much different performance. The aggression, the assertiveness, that never-say-die attitude. And and that's what we're about. But I think in, with the Scotland game, they they had chances. I think the first half, they were very ordinary Second half, they came out, they were much better. They created more chances. They just couldn't hit the back of the net, which is obviously, you know, very difficult as well. You know, you're missing Sam Kerr, you're missing Caitlin Ford, which a majority of our goals come from from those two in the Matildas as well.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. And I think something else we saw uh, against Scotland was they approached that game with such physicality that I think the Matildas were rattled in that case and particularly Katrina Gorey was muscled out of the game and it's rare that we say that about Gory, who's such a, a strong player and such a presence in the midfield um, I'm surprised a little bit that England didn't look at that game and say, well, that's what we need to do too, because I thought that both Gory and uh, Kyra Cooney Cross today had a lot more time and space on the ball than what they did against Scotland. And for me, Cooney Cross was excellent. And I thought particularly this game against England, the number of times she was able just to run with the ball at feet, pass players, break the lines against one of the best teams and best midfielders in the world, world Kira Walsh, is. In my mind, a world-class uh, defensive midfielder, and Kyra on several occasions was winning the ball off her, winning her jewels, dribbling past her, and I think they just had a lot more time and space against England. But we definitely learnt that a physical press on us as the Matildas was a bit of a struggle for for us to deal with as well.
0: I'm sure they'll take plenty of learnings, and I think I think Kyra Kruni crosses. And and as well as Katrina Gorria are really nailing those spots in that midfield. Um, let's run through your guys' top five performers from both the Scotland and England game combined, treated as the one window. We We've done this previously for the Cup of Nations as well. We'll run from five to one upwards. Kath, we'll start with you. Who is your fifth best performer?
2: Courtney Vine. I thought she she slotted in really well. She um, you know really worked on on. Her tactical awareness, especially in, in the game plan, she executed it well across both games. She was, you know, very controlled, but she also used her pace and I've seen her running at players and, you know, with real good confidence, which was great to see. And again, hopefully, fingers crossed, not a bad outcome for her with that injury.
1: I've also gotten Courtney Vine. I've got my list written in front of me, Kath, so I'm not changing anything here, but for the same reasons as, as you've mentioned, I've gotten Courtney Vine.
0: I can confirm this as well. Kath, there's no cheating going on. It's all written down in front of us. Kath, who have you got fourth?
2: Fourth, I've got Sam Kerr. Again, I know she missed the, the Scotland game, but I had to put her in there because, you know, this game against England, she was just superb. She was the she was the key difference in this game, and I thought she really rose to the challenge, and she stepped up when, when the Matildas really needed her.
1: And in my fourth position, I've gone Charlie Grant. Um, we've mentioned the reasons why already, but I think she's just, yeah, growing from strength to strength, proving herself at right, full back, left, full back, and to add a goal to it today was um a really special moment.
0: Yeah, definitely a special moment for her and well deserved as well. Her first Matilda's goal. Kath, who's number three? Who's on the podium?
1: On the podium,
2: Mackenzie Arnold, again, I thought she had you know a f- fantastic couple of games. she really, um, stood up again and, you know, it wasn't just a, you know, people can say, oh, she had a, just one great tournament. I think she's had, you know, another couple of good games as well when she's starting to really find her feet within that, cementing that number one position there.
1: And for me, in third place, I've gone Ellie Carpenter. Lovely to see her back in the Matildas jersey, return to the side. And honestly, looks like she has not missed a beat. She is flying.
0: Yeah, and it's weird to think she's only 22. I mm. mean, it's just bizarre, bizarre. Kath, who's number two? Who's the silver medal?
2: The silver medal for me was Ellie Carpenter. Again, you know, we spoke about how she, you know, did a miss a beat. She actually looks like she never left the team, which is the scary part. And to come back from an injury that she had and to just step back into that team, and, you know, I've watched a couple of her games at Lyon as well. She's just been fantastic. She's worked super hard in, in her rehab to get herself back to where she needs to be. And to be honest, she's actually looking, I think, fitter and stronger at this point. And... You know, I think she really slotted back in perfectly and, you know, she's a key part to that Matilda squad.
1: It is a bit of a frightening prospect, that. Um, But for me, in my second position, I've gone for Mackenzie Arnold as well. I think she's on a a great run of games uh, and today was no different. Um, Made some really key saves against one of the best teams in the world. So um, she's in a rich vein of form.
0: I'm keen to see how uh, it lines up when we play France as well, whether she's starting. That's obviously in a few months as well. Kath? Who is your number one? Who is your top performer from this international window?
2: Number one for me is Katrina Gorry. I think, you know, even though she didn't have the best, best of games against Scotland, she still really held her own and, and worked super hard for the team all the way till the end. But in this game against England, she had seven tackles, five interceptions and 17 duels, which was the highest in, in the game. She was an absolute beast this game. And I thought, you know, she's she's someone that sometimes – we don't realise how much work she actually does, especially defensively. And to be able to get herself back up the field to be able to create chances as well, I think she was fantastic across the both games.
1: Yeah, she was. She was quality. Um, My my number one spot has gone to her midfield uh, partner, though, in Kyra, Cooney Cross. Um, I thought she was excellent, particularly in today's game. And I'm just really enjoying watching a young player grow in confidence and in stature, um, doing great things with Hammerby, but particularly this window, I thought she established herself even more so in that midfield too.
0: It's great to see that engine room ticking, working and evolving as well. So plenty of positives to take out of the game, particularly against England and moving forward. I cannot wait for July. The finals is just around the corner just this weekend, so make sure you head out to the grounds to support your local signs as the Liberty A-League finals ramp up. Certainly an exciting time. Grace, Kath, thank you so much for joining me this morning.
1: Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Kath. Thanks. Thanks,
0: guys. Always a pleasure to have you guys. There's so much content coming your way, so make sure to head to keepup.com.au to never miss a headline. A-League's all access is centred around Adelaide United goalkeeper Joe Gauci this week and is sure to be an absolute cracker. A new episode of the official Izuzu Ute A-League podcast brought to you by Ned's is out now, and a new episode of the Players' Pod is also out this week and brought to you by Ned's this Thursday with Jason Cummings and Marco Tilio, two Socceroos, certainly one to tune in for there. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's all from the official Liberty A-League podcast. I've been your host, Campbell Johnson, and as always, enjoy the football. These
2: moves nice in the future. These moves nice in the future. These moves nice in the future. Them and
1: look nice, look nice. Nice, these moves nice in the future. These moves yeah, we look nice, future looking nice, we don't need to tell them twice Yeah, we look nice, future looking real nice, we don't need to tell them twice the yeah, nice. future